Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. Hey, we are in week two of a series that we just simply entitled Romans. Last week, we were in Romans chapter one. Everybody okay? The Apostle Paul came out swinging, and some of you, for the first time, said, oh, we're not going to sidestep scripture. We're not. In fact, I had a lady come to me after service last week, and she was just kind of under conviction. The Lord touched her heart, and she said, wow, that was good. We prayed. She looked up at me. She says, you might not have a parking problem next week. (laughs) Listen to me. There are going to be times where the word of God is going to sting. In fact, let me just, it's going to cut. And it's going to downright offend. But it is the word of God. And so we were in Romans chapter 1 last week. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back. Uh, some of you, boy, you, you realize, uh, man, for the first time what the Bible says about some issues. Now, before you sit there and go, that's right, sick him, pastor, you better hold on. Because I promise you, by the time we get done with the book of Romans, nobody will leave unscathed. And we're, <laughs> which is today. <laughs> which brings us to today's message, all right? Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of people that were kind of a mix of, of Jewish people and also Gentiles who, who were thrust together, and here they are in a church setting, and I love it because that's us. Some of us were raised in church. We have a religious background. We kind of know our things. Some of you are brand new. You just got saved in the last few days, few weeks, few months, and boy, everything is all brand new, and, and here we go. And sometimes religious people look at people that are new to the faith, and we can't understand why they don't know all the rules. Listen to me. If you're here today and you are new in the faith, I want to let everybody know you're the reason we turn the lights on. And we're pumped that you're here. But there was some friction going on. And and also right here, the Apostle Paul was writing because there was a group of individuals who, because of their religious uh, background, their upbringing, their ethnicity, kind of thought they were above the law. Does that make sense? And Paul had been preaching the gospel message of Jesus for some 25 years, and the message was getting a little distorted. So that's why he wrote the book of Romans. He, he wrote it. In fact, one person said it this way, that the book of Romans is the Apostle Paul's one long explanation of the gospel. And so he just makes it real clear. And, and, and I love this. So how many of you, when I say this word, you know what I'm talking about? You ready? cassette tape some of us okay how many of you remember opening your stocking and you got a walkman now some of us were a little highfalutin and you had a walkman with shock absorber on it some of you, some people are like, what are you even talking about right now? A cassette tape was a thing that we used to play recordings and music. And that's, oh, you ever been going to Camelot Music at Woodland Hills Mall and just going through, finding your vanilla ice, somebody? No, all right. Somebody. And if you really, if you really were highfalutin, you didn't just have a Walkman with shock absorber. It had bass boost. Okay. Okay. You put those headphones on. And you went for a run, or you just did whatever, 
man, you were, you were living your best life. But the problem is they ran on batteries. And after a while, that cassette tape, you're, man, you, you about to hit that point in the song where you're going to, you know, you don't talk about that point in the song that you really like, you know, it's going up, it's about to, and, but if the batteries were low, the tape would, would somehow get distorted because it would play really sl- You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are looking at me like, what is he talking about? It would get really distorted. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul, that's part of his motivation for writing the book of Romans was that his message about Jesus was getting, getting a little distorted. We live in a world where the message about Jesus is getting a little distorted. And I'm not trying to blame the world. I'm talking about inside the church, the body of Christ. We deviate from the word of God. We insert our opinion and act as if it is the same as the word of God. And it is not. And thus the message of Christ and his cross is is getting distorted. And the apostle Paul just broke right out and said it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Right? Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. He goes on to say this, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. You want to know about God? Dive into the word. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. It is the power of God. In the Greek, he was talking about miraculous, supernatural power to make us right with God. Folks, I'm so thankful for that. The gospel is the answer. Can I have an amen? It's not positive thoughts or good vibes or anything. It is the message, pure, unadulterated message of Jesus that is the power of God. Not a motivational speech, not somebody's blog, the message about Jesus. Let me me say it this way. I remember the day it clicked because I was a church brat. Any church brats in the house? Like you were born and like two days later you were in church? None of this I'm staying out for 90 days? No way. Mom and dad were bringing you to church so they passed you around. You were inoculated like that. Come on, somebody. I was raised in church. Man, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Come on, somebody. Every time the youth pastor had an event, I was there. Every time the youth pastor had an event, I was there. Every time the youth pastor had an event, I was there. Parents, bring your kids to youth. Give Pastor Brady and Megan a huge round of applause. They deserve it. They work hard, y'all. And their team, they work hard. But that didn't save me. That didn't make me right with God. I'm multi-generation Pentecostal believer. I had a grandma, it was God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Veda Austin. I'm telling you. But that didn't save me. I can remember being 16 years old And all of a sudden I was hearing somebody was explaining the gospel to me and the Holy Spirit, like like Lydia in the book of Acts chapter 16, the Holy Spirit opened my heart and I got it. It wasn't grandma's faith. It wasn't mom and dad's faith. It It wasn't because I had a good pastor and a good church and a religious upbringing. It was Jesus. He is the power of God unto salvation. So how am I right with God? By faith. How am I made new? By faith. How am I at peace? By faith. Folks, it is by faith. Well, pastor, that's just, that's too easy. 
You heard me say this last week, and this is going to sound super theological, so lean in. I'm so glad when it came to getting saved that, that Jesus did the hard part. And we get in on it by faith. This week, we're going to jump to Romans chapter 2, and the apostle Paul just directs his message at those from a religious background tries to help them understand that just because they were raised in this thing, that's not what made them right with God. It's faith in Jesus. You ever been to the Sears Tower? I think it's called the Willis Tower now. On one of the floors way up, they have this glass floor you can walk out on and look down. You ever done that before? I have. It is terrifying. Why would you do it? Because it's terrifying. And even though you know it's solid, you get out on it, and you're like, <laughs> you're looking down, you can't see it, but it's, it's holding you up. Isn't that just like faith? I can't see it, but it's holding me up, amen? That word faith in the Greek just simply means you can put your entire trust. And I want to encourage you here today because maybe some of you are feeling less than saved. You ever feel less than saved? It is by faith. It is not by good works, lest any man should boast. It's not by checking off boxes. I put my faith, my trust in Jesus and his cross, and I am made new. Give the Lord a big round of applause. So Romans chapter 2, let's just jump right into it, all right? He's, he's directing it at, at, at the Jew, those with a religious background. And he says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same things, do you not think, he's getting rhetorical here, do you not think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance, and his patience? Listen to this. Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. God's kindness. Never... Never mistake or confuse God's kindness with God's approval. Paul just comes out swinging again. He said, some of you think you're okay because you were raised in this thing, because you have a religious background and pedigree. And he says, that, that's, that's not good enough. Verse 5 goes on to say, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. Just a couple of things out of the scripture that I want us to get. And the first one is this, that God shows no favoritism. There's no such thing as a get out of hell free card. Verse 11, for God does not show favoritism all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all those who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law or, the, or who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law that will be declared righteous. It's not just those who hear. It's about those who obey. 
I had an old preacher say this one time, and I love it. He says, you know, the moment that you know what God's will is, what God's word says, to the moment that you finally become obedient to it, do you know what the middle part is called? Disobedience. And, and I think sometimes we have it in our American culture that just because I come to church, just because I know John three sixteen, just because I do this or that, or I was raised this way or somebody prayed for me, we, we've convinced ourselves on many levels that we are right with God. And, and God was trying to get to first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. It, that's not what makes you right. What makes you right is faith in Jesus Christ. In church, if if it seems like I'm talking to church people today, it's because the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 2 is giving a sniper shot to religious people. We're going to break this down even more today, but but I think it's imperative that we understand this, that the greatest propagation of sin, just like we talked about last week, it's not sinners. Sinners do what sinners do. But it's a church who hears the word of God and then fails to follow it through. We need to be obedient even even when it's hard. Someone once said this, you cannot judge people because they sin differently than you. Paul was saying, hey, just because you're Jewish, just because you have a religious pedigree doesn't doesn't mean that you are any better than, than anyone else, specifically the Gentiles. He goes on to say in verse 19, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of the knowledge of truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you not steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you not rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? Listen to this, and everybody say, ouch. Here comes the apostle Paul. As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Ow. Let's let's get real. It's time for the church to stop trying to find theology and truth in celebrities. It's time for the church to stop complaining about politicians. They will never be the answer. Sinners are not the problem. It's a church who fails to change the way they act. And Paul says this, he's actually quoting the Old Testament. He says, the name of the one true God is blasphemed because of you. Boy, I've been there before. That word blaspheme in the Greek just simply means to slander or belittle or to curse. Bottom line is, because of the way that the the religious folk act, we have a lost and dying world that doesn't believe in God. It's causing skepticism. Paul says this in Romans 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 28, you're not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. 
And a true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law, rather it is a change of heart produced by the spirit. I love this. One version says it this way. It's not just a change of heart. I love this phrase better. It's a circumcision of the heart by the spirit. I want you to lean in and I want you to get this. The apostle Paul is simply echoing the Old Testament in Jeremiah where Jeremiah is challenging the people, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, circumcise your hearts. The the act of circumcision was a mark of covenant. It was the cutting of flesh and the physical body as a sign of obedience to God. And Paul says this, this outward thing that you have done, this outward mark only serves a purpose to a point. But he goes on to say this, that doesn't make you a true Jew. That doesn't make you a true believer. What makes you a true believer is this, listen to me, the circumcision of the heart by the Spirit. Let your pastor preach for just a moment. Let me, let me, let me, let me break this down a little bit. Circumcision of the heart. Side note, so glad we have children's church. It's a cutting of the flesh. There's the physical act in a male's body, but, but Paul goes on to say it's more than that. If you're truly devoted to God, if you are truly surrendered to him, if if you're devoted to him, there is this cutting of the flesh out of our heart. Woodlake family, we still need the Holy Spirit of God to cut the flesh out of our heart. Somebody say amen. Ah, pastor, we're fine. No, we're not fine. We live in a world that is lost, dying, and going to hell. And could it be that the church is the number one problem? A church whose heart is unyielded. When was the last time you and I stood before the Lord and said, Lord, I need the flesh cut out of my heart. Holy Spirit, I need a heart circumcision. There's anger, there's unforgiveness, there's hidden sin, there's lying, there's lust. I could go on and on and on, but oh, the only way that's taken care of is the Holy Spirit of God cutting it out of me. Does that make sense? So Woodlake family, let me give you a little little user manual action here. When it's time for worship, I don't care if they play your song or not. You think they play my song all the time? A sound mind. Pastor Elizabeth, wait, that song, a sound mind, I'm reminded so often as you were singing it is how David had to just prophesy to himself, just quote the word of God. You guys, when worship is going on in the church, that's not a time to punch out and put it on cruise control. That's a time to prepare our hearts. Come on, somebody. When it's time to, in fact, the Bible says the Lord inhabits or is enthroned on the praises of his people. The music is irrelevant. My worship is what is relevant. Can I have an amen? Amen. Lord, come in. Lord, I'm ready to hear the word, but Lord, you got to deal with me. If there's some things, how many of you have ever had to lean over to your spouse in worship service and say, I'm sorry? (laughs) Lord, we need you to perform that circumcision of the heart. I want to tell you, if you've not been to prayer service, you need to come to prayer service Wednesday night. You'll see me a lot of time in the back of the room on this west side. Arnold, you never sat in together last week. And I'm pacing back and forth. We have that prayer list, but I'll be honest with you, 
most weeks, I'm just saying, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Lord, you see this sin's crept back up. You see this attitude's crept back up. I, I need you, Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful that we don't serve a God who's just on the throne, but we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God? Oh, amen. Pentecostals is not just about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's also about the surgery of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the cutting hurts. But after the cut comes healing. God shows no favoritism. When I realize that, I can look at when (laughs) some teenager comes in on a Wednesday night and they are a complete pagan and never been raised in church. Guess what? I don't have to get upset about that. I say, praise God. Sick him, Jesus. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you were that teenager. You came strolling into church like you had it all together. In reality, you didn't, but you had an encounter with God. Come on, somebody. God, bring him in. Amen. Fill this place with people that don't know you. And God, do a work on my heart, God, that I can speak life, that I can roll my sleeves up and get my hands in their filth. And, 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 and God, make disciples. Come on, somebody. Woodlake, do you want to be that type of church? I do. I don't want to play church. This last spring, my wife and I, we had the opportunity to go to Israel, and one of the stops that we got to be on was the Dead Sea, and I heard so much about the Dead Sea. Oh, you got to go to the Dead Sea. You got to go to the Dead Sea. It's weird. I mean, it's like, okay, there's no, there's no outlet for the water. The, the salt and mineral content is so thick that you get in it, you don't float. It just kind of holds you. It's weird. It's weird. Everybody's like, oh, you got to put the mud all over you. You'll love it. It's so good for you. So I'm out in there with all the other yahoos. And boy, I got the mud. I'm just going to town, right? We found that picture before church. Brandon's like, you can't show that picture. It's so blurry. I go, what do you mean it's blurry? That's like a, you just wob- robbed Walgreens and we put it up on the screen. I don't care, but you can see, you can see what I'm covered in right there. Let me tell you what happened. Like, for like three days afterwards, I'm washing this stuff off of me. You know what I'm talking about, don't, Aaron? I mean, you're just washing it off. It's just, you're in the shower and the filth and it just won't come off. I'm like, what is good about, and it actually burns your skin. We, in fact, they only let you stay in the water for just a little bit of time because it's that, that toxic, you know? You know what I learned about the dirt or the mud of the Dead Sea? It's just dirt. But somehow we think that dirt's better than normal dirt. Oh, church, lean in. Sometimes we think our dirt's better than somebody else's dirt. Listen, Romans chapter one last week, I guarantee you in the church, there were some like, oh yeah, well, folks, dirt is dirt. Sin is sin. And it still takes the shed blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to make us clean. Amen? Amen? Here's the last thing I want you to get. Paul's very clear about this. Saved people are changed people. He goes on to say, then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, that Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. God, Paul was saying this, yes, 
Hey, if you're from a religious background, a Jewish background, man, God chose you. Yes, there's a great benefit, but, and here's the distortion, but some might say our sinfulness serves as good purpose for it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? This is merely a human point of view. Verse six, of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? Verse seven, but someone might still argue How can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? And some people even slander us by claiming that that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Let's pause there for just a moment. I believe within the body of Christ, there are people with this mentality. Oh, I'm under grace. I'm not under the law anymore. I can live however I want. It's not okay for Christians to cuss. Oh, y'all looking for another church right now. It's not okay for Christians to sleep around. Are you with me? What am I trying to say here? We're trying to blend into the world and we're not supposed to. Saved people are changed people. The work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer makes me more and more like Christ. Amen. That's where the message was getting distorted. Paul ultimately was simply saying this. We don't get to add Jesus without subtracting sin. Paul was talking about religious ethnicity. And he says it is a benefit. Your background, your religious upbringing, your religious pedigree, it is of benefit because you know better. The problem is, you know better. So I was raised in a house, my parents 100% believed in spanking. They didn't hesitate at all. I got no warning shots. You've heard me say this before, you've been in Walmart and the the mother's counting, one, two, two and a half. My dad, He was like Doc Holliday with his belt. Have, have we crossed? <laughs> but you know, it wasn't the spankings when I was a kid that, boy, really got me. You know what got me, especially as I got older? Is when my dad would look at me when I messed up and simply say, you know better than that. And he was right. You ever, you ever done something just stupid and just thought, I know better than that? That's what Paul was saying to the religious. He said, listen, you know better, but the problem is you know better. Grace, the blood of Jesus, is not in a license or not an excuse to keep trying to blend in with the world. The continual work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer will just cause us to stand out more and more. Have you ever been somewhere and something's going on and somebody looks at you and they didn't know you before and they go, you're a believer, aren't you? Have you read that happen before? You're a believer, aren't you? And you're like, oh boy, I'm glad they said something before I said something. (laughs) We stand out. We can't help but do it. And what's the purpose of the law? 
J.B. Phillips, the Anglican preacher, said it this way, it is the straight edge of the law that shows us just how crooked we are. So what hope do we have? Paul goes on to say this in Romans chapter three, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It's Jesus, y'all. For everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory, God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice of sin. People are made right with God when they believe in Jesus. Sacrifices life by shedding his blood. Can we boast then? that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. Somebody say, yay, God. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only one God. And he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Here we go, verse 31, listen to me. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? He says it, of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. That's why I love what Warren Wearsby summed it up this way. Under the Old Testament law, righteous came by man behaving But under the gospel, righteousness comes by believing. By believing. There are no favorites. I used to love to ask my grandma, who's your favorite grandkid? And she always had this phrase. She'd always say, you're all my favorite. And she had this unique way of no matter how many of us were around or if it was just one of us. We all felt like her favorite. So I want to encourage you here today. Whether were you raised in church or whether you feel like you're fumbling through this Jesus thing, you are the favorite child of God. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. Whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, the Apostle Paul says it all takes the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And how are we made right? Not because of our pedigree, not because of our church membership. We are made right because we have surrendered and put our faith in the shed blood of Jesus, whom the Apostle Paul said paid the penalty for my sin and your sin. Amen. If you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Let me, let me just simply ask this question. I went for years riding the coattails of somebody else's faith. And as I make that statement here today, I'm sure there are many in this room that, boy, you go, ooh, that's me. You're riding the coattails of your spouse's faith. You're still riding the coattails of mom and dad's faith, or praying grandma's faith. You're still trying to ride the coattails of a, of a pastor's faith. And I want to just be real blunt with you. That will never do. In fact, I love what the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said. One of the most surprising things about heaven is this. Those you'll see there and those you won't. My question is real simple. Whose faith do you have? 
And if you cannot sit there and say, I have my faith in Jesus. Real simple, if you can't say that, you need to be saved today. You need your own faith. So this morning, I just simply want to give you an opportunity, if that's you, to say yes to him. Would you simply bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place? If you're new with this, the reason why your pastor does this is just to give everybody just a chance to say, okay, Lord, where am I at? And if you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, that's me, I don't have my own faith. Maybe you did it one time, but you have walked away from the Lord. Or maybe you're here today and you've been excusing your, this Jesus thing away simply because you have some type of background upbringing in it. And maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, you've heard that's not enough. You need the Lord to perform that circumcision of your heart. You need to put your faith in him. And if that's you here today, you say, Jamie, I'm not right with God. I'm not where I need to be. Then I want you to hear this. God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it, scripture says. The word says that God loved us so much he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay our penalty once and for all for, for all of our sins, all of our mistakes. You say, Jamie, that's impossible. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You're absolutely right, but you can't cannot out the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I need my own faith. I need to say yes to Jesus. The apostle Paul said it even further on in the book of Romans. We'll, we'll break it down in a few weeks, but he simply says this, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if that's you here today, you say, Jamie, I need to be saved. I need my own faith today. I'm going to put my complete trust in him. This is hard for people that have been in church for a long time, but I was 16 years old and never missed church before I had that realization. And if that's you here today, you say, Jamie, I'm going to put all my faith in Jesus. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm, I'm not tricking you into joining Woodlake. I'm inviting you into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Here we go. One, two, you hold it up for just a second. You can put it right back down. Here we go. Three, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Would you hold that hand up? all across this place. Thank you. Anybody else? If you're watching online, you let Pastor Dennis know he's there ready to pray with you. Anybody else? Hold it up for just a moment. You can put it down. Amen. We're here at Woodlake. Nobody prays alone. If you're saying yes to the Lord, we just simply call this the prayer of faith. And I'm going to ask you to let me be your pastor for but just a just a few more seconds i'm going to invite you and i'm going to invite the entire woodlake family to pray this prayer with me of just simply saying yes to jesus and we pray it by faith i want everyone to say it dear jesus you are the son of god you died for me for my sin in my place come into my life forgive me and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat. The messages are straight from God's Word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.